0: Okay, Uh, so we are sitting down for another episode of uh, Badass Records Podcast. If uh, things go well and I turn this around next week, it'll be episode number 69. Um, (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Last week's guest was, I think, a teeny tiny bit bummed that he was off by a number. Yeah, uh,
1: well, I I totally deserve that number (laughs) with with the band name, right? Right, right. I guess. Uh,
0: So, hanging with Jesse Cates of Sexy Accident. You got it. Um, Fascinating name, so I, I mean, I want to dive into the band a sure. little bit later, but just origin story on the name.
1: Less exciting maybe than you think. right? So originally the band was called Jesse, Cates, and the Sexy Accident, like okay. a Harry Potter novel. Sure. The Sexy Accident Or an part, El- Elvis
0: Costello outfit. Yeah,
1: the, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The attractions or whatnot, 100%. I was totally thinking about that. Um, so I, I worked with a guy who told me at a party once that if he had a band, he wasn't a musician at all, but if he had a band, he called it the Sexy Accident, and it stuck with me. And the project came before the name, and when I was thinking about you know what to call the project, I remembered that conversation, so right. I called him up, I'm like, hey, can I steal your band right. name? You're not gonna use it, right? Um, guy's name is John o'Shanness great guy. Okay, and he agreed to let me use it as long as I give him one copy of everything we ever do forevermore, which I have honored to date.
0: A physical holding your hands copy. Yeah, you okay. know,
1: back when it was all physical, because right. we're talking. This is would have been two thousand five.
0: Yeah, man. Um. So just a little bit of poking around. Um. I mean, your digital footprint is very impressive. Thanks. Um, I really. Uh, I've had a few like blog projects with college newspaper staff buddies and like contributed and run them so things looking nice and being you know crisp and clean and easy to find and organized is appealing to me so um obviously you have a band camp um and you have uh, a twitter a facebook and an instagram and then the website i think which... i
1: deleted the twitter recently oh did
0: you really yeah, okay think... okay other um, than that yes
1: but the, but
0: more importantly, the website has got um, uh, a nice handful. <clears throat> excuse me, six, seven, eight tabs. You know, with bio and shows and and merch and um, the the shows are archived to, like with date and and city and and yeah. maybe even lineup. And I was like, look at that. So, so, some some of the lineups. Well,
1: the lineups are there, but yeah, no, and that's nice for me because you know when we hit a hundred shows. I kind of saw it coming. I figured we were about there, so I figured out which one it was, and then we were able to talk about that, and that was fun, you know?
0: Right, right. Um, well, it's good stuff. And then, uh, so you... Um, the most recent thing, I think, uh, has has sort of been... Had this tagline attached to it of also a card game. Yeah, so that was, um, like, kind
1: of three projects ago, oh, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. No, My it's bad. okay, it's okay. It's still... Um, I don't know how to top it from the point of view of like a physical thing any, you know, in this modern age. Uh, and it was so much fun to make. But yeah, I think it's the first time it was ever done. We we released an album as a card game. Okay. Fully playable, you know, 55 or 54 whatever it was, different card designs, rules. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Um, it uh worked pretty well from the point of view of like a thing that people would want and ha- you know, so I'm almost out of them, which is nice. Uh,
0: so, how does it how does the card game tie into the, the music
1: yeah so the music was um okay so like i'm trying to remember the thought process here um the music was tight and compact and very poppy which okay. felt like just the right physical kind of heft and package or like a card deck is this tight little
0: thing yeah yeah you know um, you can, they're not going in that box if you don't have them perfectly you
1: know? right exactly and uh i think you know maybe goes better with it goes well with the record but i think it really goes well with the band because we're all nerds so okay. we're all nerdy people we play games um and, and the second I thought I, I'd played around with a couple different things. I knew I didn't want to do just a digital release, didn't want to do a CD. vinyl didn't feel like the right choice either because you cut out like 90 percent of people you know immediately. Um, but everyone can do that and then and I thought also that it it would add a dimension to um, the en- enjoyment of the record itself because the way the game is set up, Like you got to play the songs of the record, like that's your objective to score points, and you got to have certain band members and certain instruments to do that. So it kind of implicitly shows you, like, okay, who's important to this song, and and we did that accurately. So, and then you get to see who all the guest musicians were, which there were a lot in that record because each musician is represented and stuff like that. So cool. You know, could we've done it for another record, probably, but like, it was a blast to do, and I'm really glad I did. it. And like I said, I just don't know what to do (laughs) to top that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for me.
0: Uh, I think don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, the next thing is the next thing regardless <laughs> of how it's dressed, no, that's, right? That's a good call. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, there's a, a, a dude on here, Josh Dubois, uh, who does video editing. And uh, he said, um, uh, perfect, how did this go? Uh, finished is always better than perfect. You know, sure. Or something like that. And it's yeah. like, you know what? Um uh, we're never going to get through a thing I don't think and be like I love 100% of every detail that went into that and the final product it's going to have you know uh blemishes or least favorite part but you you did it you know like yeah. here there it is and what's next yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. thing Um but uh, are you born and raised KC? No, not okay. at all. Um
1: grew up on the East Coast up until High school ended up in Georgia for uh, high school, and then went to college in Pennsylvania, and then came here for my first like grown up job. Where in Georgia? Uh, Atlanta. Okay, Um, suburb or yeah,
0: for sure suburb, like northern suburb, Sandy Springs. Okay. I did uh, three years as a young person in uh, Gwinnett County. Very close, I think. little I don't, burn, <clears throat> close to Stone Mountain.
1: Yeah, uh, so maybe not super close. Honestly, I don't really understand the geography well because I was like a kid and ah. drove like an idiot, right? So it's like I would go to like the places that I knew, go to the mall, <laughs> go to what I understood, sure. go to my friends' houses. But um, I go back there now for work, which has been a blast because my parents still live there. So oh, it's
0: cool. okay. Um, so siblings?
1: Yeah, one, uh, two siblings. Okay. One brother, uh, sister. Sisters in
0: Austin, brothers in Virginia Beach. Okay, and you said Pennsylvania for college, where, where... Yeah. Uh, Carnegie Mellon in, in Pittsburgh. Okay, okay. Um, I've been skating uh, uh, ice hockey Wednesday nights for with a guy from Pittsburgh for the last year. Rad. Um, and I mean, he and, and consequently, I went to Philly for a hot second in August. Um, but uh, a lot of a lot of hype about uh, Pittsburgh, and it makes makes me interested to check it out. Um, I'm not so sure how quickly I would visit Philly again, just based on where we were for a minute. But fair. Um, but it Pittsburgh sounds like, was pretty sleepy when I was there.
1: Kay. But I loved it. Um, very. I mean, if you're not into rain clouds all the time, don't <laughs> go because right. that that would hit me pretty hard. The clouds would roll in in uh, September. And then they would not leave till March. Sometimes you wouldn't get a sunny day until right. March. So it was, it was, that was hard. That is. Um, but lots of great experiences and friends. I love the city. It's beautiful. Cool.
0: Um, and I, I believe I saw somewhere a uh, creative writing degree. Yeah.
1: So I uh, started in like computer engineering stuff, switched out of that into the writing um, creative writing degree and uh, then did some grad school stuff. So that it's like, I've
0: always kind of been pulled in a couple different directions. Yeah. Yeah. I did uh, uh, undergrad in psychology, but was like in communications a lot and taking a ton of literature classes and um, you know, fluent in Spanish by that time. So beautiful b- obtaining a lot of Spanish. Anyway, I ended up minoring in literature and knowing I wanted to go to grad school, but it took me a while to figure out, am I going for, for writing? Am I, Continuing down, and I ended up doing the creative writing path at UMKC, um, which was um, fantastic. I mean, uh, in terms of a tangible, like, was this worthwhile and valuable in the overall spend and what i'm doing with my life and how i earn that's not registering anywhere at all sure um but on the other half of the spectrum it was it, it i mean i loved it like i wouldn't trade it for anything yeah well and if it makes you who you are that's more important yeah. anyway you yeah. know um, i think so uh did your folks put on music in the home when you guys were growing up
1: yeah um uh, very musical family so my parents are divorced. My mom would uh make her own original songs and sing them into the night and I'd kind of be like fallen asleep listening to her on the piano. I've cool. got I've still got a CD of her uh playing from around that time, a little before I was born actually. It's not a, it wasn't a CD originally, but somebody transferred it to one, thank goodness. So I've got that. That that was an early piece and then my dad was a um, a jazz pianist, so he took his college fund and bought a piano instead to his parents' delight, you know. <laughs> And um, trained for a while with some some notable people in New York, I think. Um, and, you know, kept up with that. Was in a rock band called The Decos in wow. New Jersey, New York. Okay. That kind of like almost got signed a couple times. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Very good band. I, I heard uh, he, he somehow got a couple or has a couple live recordings, and they sound awesome. Nice. And that's fun to listen to. It, you know, great singer, tight pop songs. Um, and then... My uh, stepmother went to school for musical theater, I think, or for theater at least. But she sang, so every, you know, everyone in the house was doing something. And my grandparents, uh, you know, we'd be there for Christmas, and like my grandfather had a whole case of harmonicas, so that was his jam. So we'd all just kind of wow. like do stuff like Christmas carols together
0: and things. Meaning, like, that. like uh, what you think of when you think of a guitar player who's got like seven or twelve guitars because they all have a different feel and sound and and all he's got all these different harmonicas for that reason. Uh, I think they're all, they're all in different keys. So, oh, like, you know, you, you can get, like, a chromatic
1: uh, harmonica, but, you know, I need, okay, so I was a kid, so, like, how many really was it? It was probably, like, a case of, like, eight or ten. That's
0: uh, more than one.
1: Yeah, and they had a nice box, and he was freaking great at it, nice. and, you know, he's a World War II era guy, so, yep. like, you know, he probably played it when he was away from home and all that, and... Um, so he'd start playing that, and my stepmom would sing, my dad would play piano. Dang! I played clarinet at the time, like just band stuff, you know, like it's, school band. Still cool. No, it was awesome. It was. Those are some of my favorite memories. Um, and then, like you know, with the split parents, like yeah. if I played a school concert, like everybody would come together. When that was like the only time that everybody sure. would come together, you sure. know, so that felt really good. So the music kind of got into me that
0: that way too um how old were you when they split oh, five. five. okay yeah yeah you know for sure i le- led this first half of my life thinking i was precisely this age mm. and then the latter part of it i've been like it's somewhere in this three-year window like I- i'm not sure exactly but you are you confident i'm sure it was when i was five okay um I have vague memories of being told about it right but yeah I mean that's not that's hazy and it could be you right. know, fake right yeah those <laughs> memories, uh, weird the the occasions where it is everybody together is is like fascinating like you would never think about it uh, yeah as as, if, as a, an intact family or whatever but once you are and you experience that you're like It's really notable. Yeah. 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 Or like the occasional wedding. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. doesn't happen very often. No, weddings, graduations, funerals, uh, concerts, sporting events, I guess, maybe sometime. Um, So uh, was there a first album that you sort of fell in love with or, or... purchased like a first purchase that started your collection or i was a cassette guy i mean there yeah. was eight tracks and vinyl around but some of my first record purchases are super embarrassing i'll, I'll cover that if you want but like sure. the uh
1: the first thing that comes to mind is i used to be as a little kid obsessed with a uh, bruce springsteen record that my dad would play in real real tape player but i don't know what the record was oh wow but i was okay. like Demand he play it constantly on the reel to reel and run around the room with a pair of maracas and sure. make a horrible racket. I'm sure. Um, my first uh, CD purchase was the maxi single of "I Want to Sex You Up." Which oh, is about re- the most uh, horrible thing that I could imagine saying on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drawing. I'm blanking on the <laughs> um, artist. I can't even remember. Uh, either. It's
0: not Boys to Men. No, it's, it's uh, just 90s like it's horrible. not Belbiv Devo. Mm-hmm.
1: That would be respectable he, in an right, ironic way, right? Uh,
0: I mean. It, Oh, uh white white dude with mm-hmm. the frosty tips. It the, wasn't vanilla sun, ice. No, 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 no. But it's right. was, it was a duo, like a white dude and a black dude, yeah. maybe. Uh anyway. Color me bad. Yeah, there it is. Double it D, is. double uh, D, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, pretty horrible. But I mean it was that was a jam for I mean I people, mean, I loved it. The world I did was too. Like Eleven or yeah. whatever. Yeah.
1: I'm probably wrong about that. But I don't. Still. I'm not confident in that age. <laughs> that's, um, that's
0: researchable, though. How about uh, first show? I mean, I assume you're a concert uh, that's guy. That's a
1: security question, my friend. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm Just teasing. Oh, but okay. you know how they like make you fill out those things for your bank about like what you're getting oh, how you get access. Yes, that's, it is. That's a security question.
0: Uh, what is your mother's maiden name by the way? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I've been joking about this with a friend of mine at work, so that's why it was right on the tip of my tongue. Because gotcha. like gotcha. we, we, she, she'll like try to get me to um, disclose all this. Information information like just drop it in as a joke and then wow. she's like security question you know so That's uh, hilarious. i mean
0: um I'll, I'll talk about it no
1: i can't i can't dude I, i'm too aware that this is an issue okay okay fair <laughs> yeah. enough
0: um so me- any memorable shows uh, yeah. across your concert going life how about that oh goodness
1: well there's been lots of those um one certainly ties into One of the records I picked, which is by the band Quadriatcha, so Atlanta metal punk band. Right, they were friends of mine in high school, so I went to school with them. So some of my favorite early concert memories were going to see them at an all ages venue called the Somber Reptile in Atlanta. Nice. And these were guys who like I'd see in the hall, and then suddenly up on a stage like shredding, and they were really freaking good. Like this was not like. I mean, early days, maybe they weren't incredible, I'm guessing, but by the time they were done, they were monsters, wow. like really could play, and toured all over the place, played hundreds of shows. Um, another show of theirs that really stuck, sticks out is I was I was alone for the summer in Pittsburgh, some friends were supposed to stay, they did not, so it was like kind of by myself, like wouldn't see anybody for the weekend, didn't have a car, and it was pretty blue, but like one Saturday, like I hadn't spoken to anyone for like 24 hours, I'm in my apartment by myself, just looking for shows wasn't Google wasn't a thing yet. Yeah, pre-internet, right. pre-cell phone. Well, there was something. Okay, there was like some kind of website. I don't think Google happened yet, but like there was like a Pittsburgh show website, and I was just looking through it, and it's like What the hell, you know? And then it's like what day? Today, okay. Where can I get to this? And it turned out like it was at a house. Like, around the corner from where I Get lived, out of here. And I just ran out the door. Because <laughs> it was already, like, 8 o'clock. Okay. Ran out the door, and I get there, and they're loading their amps in. It's my friends loading their amps in. I had no idea they were coming. To start the show. To start the sh- they, they were just, like, loading in. Then they played, nice. like, an hour later. Nice. And they ripped, you know? It was just so good. And um, so, yeah, both those shows, you know, some of the early shows, that show, their shows,
0: generally, just really stick out for nice. me. Nice. So, um, I got to jump in and say uh, that your answer to that question made me realize that I think I goofed your list up a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, Was yours the one that said, actually scratch such and such and replace it with this? Yeah, but that's okay. Okay. That was the one that I was going to put in. Okay. So, we've covered it My bad, my bad. That's okay. Um, Okay, cool. Um, So, uh, Sexy Accident is not your first band correct no 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 my um my first band
1: like that was a band was pedestrian survival jump in pittsburgh pennsylvania okay played all of one show okay you're six string right yeah okay yeah play guitar um and from there um so that band you know put out like a little ep um on like cdrs and then i Went to uh, this band, started a band called Whitford, which was an instrumental band. Okay. Did that for uh, probably three or four years. Played a bunch of shows um, in and around Pittsburgh and uh, put out two records. Nice. I still like them. You know, they're full of, you talk about perfection, not that. You know, it was, was, um, we recorded live to Reel to Reel and, um, you know... We were kind of good. Some of the band members were better than others. Sure. I, I, most of them, all of them were better than me. I was the weak link for sure. <laughs> I was the guitar player. I wrote the songs to a great degree, but like, wasn't the best player. Are you on vocals too? Uh, there were. There's no singing in this band. It's okay. instrumental. Okay. But are, do you have that? Con- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the sexy accent on the singer. Yes. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah. Um, I meant to also mention... Um, uh, and correct me if I get this wrong. I'm I'm gonna love your new boyfriend. Yeah. Um. That looks like uh, it was shot professionally.
1: Oh, the sure. Video. Yeah. Um. It's a
0: great video. I love I, that video. Like, well, that's
1: that's um Morgan Cooper who's now um, uh, directing the new Bel Air. Okay. For uh, Peacock.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah, the pre- Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the redo. On right, yeah. right. Uh, so how old is that? I thought, I thought that that video, was, the song was relatively new. Am I wrong in that? Uh,
1: that would be, um, I think, 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's okay.
0: Well. <laughs> it's our biggest hit, so it comes up on the
1: top of all the lists. There you go. And Champagne Baby. And that's probably why you got the impression Champagne Baby Cakes was recent, too. Um, So, yeah, that, that song, you know, somehow... Struck a chord in the way that nothing else we've done has. Like, I, I uploaded it to um, SoundCloud, like you upload songs, mm-hmm. and I didn't think twice about it, and all of a sudden, the next day, it had 30,000 plays. I have no idea what happened. Right. Some editor probably picked it and put it out there. Yeah. Uh, that's got, like, you know, half a million Spotify plays, whereas our next wow. biggest song has got, like, 100,000. So well,
0: the uh, um, the channel that it's on has, like, 66,000 subs subscribers. Sorry. Uh, Oh yeah. The friend dog Studios. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that then, helped a lot too. Those and then guys. You count was like 20 K plus. I mean, it was, yeah, uh, I, I do did a double take. I was like, God, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole, that whole, um, so like you've
1: got everything coming together there in this way. That's kind of hard for me to tease apart. Cause you've got these very talented people involved with the video. You got a song that was kind of lighting up on its own. You got the card game happening at the same time, right. which I do think got some attention. Um, so just kind of everything hit on all cylinders sure. at that moment in a way that uh, hasn't happened since. And that's okay. Um, it would be fun if it did. But, right. You know, it's it's. Uh, I'm not really capable of um, trying to write for a result in terms of like a song. And I think that song had a, I think it's the only song I've written where I can truly say, like, I don't think I've heard that sentiment expressed. Like it's not supposed to be um ironic or sarcastic. Like right. and and I think some people think it is but it's not. So it's like this sincere <laughs> desire to actually appreciate someone that an right. ex now loves, you know? And I don't I can't come up with that song that someone else has written and that makes me feel pretty good. Yeah. There's probably one out there but like uh, certainly not common.
0: Right. Okay, so I cut you off though you were no, no. you're in the uh outfit that had one gig and, then, and then, you, then the instrumental band, right, yeah. And yeah, after yeah. that? Well, then I moved here, um, and
1: uh, how did this go? I started a band. I was thinking kind of along the lines of Whitford, and it was called Bando Calrissian, and Nice. <laughs> and, like that was another instrumental band. Two trumpets, guitar, bass, drums. Uh, we never really gelled into anything. Okay. So there's a little two-track CD. Um, and then I was reading this book by Julia Cameron called The Artist's Way, which is about like a bunch of things about like, you know, moving on. And I was having a really hard time kind of finding the right thing here. And a big part of that book is about how you don't let anything block you. And so I had spent a lot of time trying to find collaborators and I wasn't getting the collaborators that I needed. So I, um, I went and did a solo loop record, like just guitar live looping before, the tech was particularly good. Like the tech I used, like there was no undo. Like if you made a mistake, you were ruined for the song. Okay. And it, and the way it worked was the prior layers would gradually fade down. And so I kind of built these compositions around like a rolling, you know, it wasn't improv, but the rolling sort of line after line after line, the old lines are fading down, the new lines are coming in, it would just work. And I had some pretty good success with that. Like I, I was getting a lot of shows opening for good bands like the Stella Link or Nameless Number Man around that time, uh, Be Non um, so suddenly I was, like, getting on stage. I did a tour to Boston and back. Got some last-minute gigs at, like, the hideout in Chicago. Sure? Which wow. was a really nice venue. That's, I mean, yeah. open for, like, karate, this karate spinoff band. The Wilco dudes were hanging out. Like, it was huge. And it came out of nowhere at the last minute. Because I think, like, when you're a solo person and you're putting yourself out there and you've got something that's at least somewhat interesting, like, people just want to help you. And so this promoter, like, they had a drop and they just put me on the show. Um, and then I did that tour with my wife. And so like the, with one person in the band, like the money was enough to like pay for the hotel and for dinner, sure, which was nice. Yeah. Um,
0: and get to see some places.
1: It was such a great time, like sleeping on venue floors sometimes, staying with friends other times, uh, probably about 10 dates. Not a big thing. Only time I've really done anything like that. Unfortunately, like I'd love to, I've got kids, I got a day job, you know, but like it was a blast. And by the time I came back, like, everything changed at that point in terms of, like, being able to kind of recruit people to play in a band with me. Like, they'd see, like, the tour dates, they'd see the recording, they'd see whatever, the website that looks good, you know? It was just, like, it gave me enough credibility to do what I really wanted to do, which was the sexy accident. And that's kind of always what I really wanted to do. The reason I did the instrumental, like, path part was, um, and I loved this guy, so don't take it too hard, Jim, but, like, my drummer at the time, like was really critical of my singing and my lyrics as well. It kind of just shut me down for like four or five years and I just stopped writing lyrics and singing. Damn. Um, but I always wanted to do it. And and so uh, after the looping stuff, I'm just like, it's time, I'm gonna do this, and that was 2005. Had a kid on the way, finished the first record a couple months before he was born and it's been that ever since. And you know, it's probably the project I'll die
0: with. You know, right. Just why not? <laughs> Um, uh, man, that's awesome um, but you, so uh, you are cut from the cloth that can play and sing at the same time, that's a special well, that kind wasn't of, easy you had, you weren't always able to so you had to teach yourself well,
1: I mean, there's strumming along, right, yeah, and then there's playing complicated guitar parts and singing, and I've really pushed myself because for a very long time there was one guitar player in the band, it was me, and I wanted to write interesting guitar parts, so you know you're talking weeks for some of the songs in the earlier earlier days, like, like what we would do is one of our bigger kind of, you know, nothing's a big hit, but like better known songs, right. More YouTube plays. Um, it was weeks teaching myself to try to play that guitar line and sing at the same time because they have nothing to do with each other at all. Wow. And I'd have to go like super slow on the metronome and then sort of start getting it and then speed it up a little and speed it up a little and speed it up a little. And after about like a month I could do it
0: live. And, um, so uh, yeah. if I can jump in real quick sure um, where I'm going with this in my brain is is sort of what we talked about before we were rolling about uh, playing and, and learning an instrument or having an instrument and finding the groove of discipline and consistency and uh, to me it was I was always waffling in writing like when is you know put your if, if put your butt in the chair, Every day is sure. the mantra. So what are you? Are you a nighttime writer? Are you an early morning writer? And like it, you know, there's an absolute groove that you've got to get into, and you can sort of ride it for a little bit if you have you know yeah that d- discipline cal- and the and the determination calibrated to the right point. So uh, spending a month plus on this with the metronome, are you? uh sitting down every day and are you evening are you morning are you all over the place well and so we're talking at that point in the
1: process like we've probably already recorded it so the thing is like we would prepare to record instrumentally and so i could play the parts no problem with the band and i could sing the parts no problem but when i have to do both together to play it live now i've got to develop that <laughs> so, Yeah. like at the time that was the process it's different sometimes but we had never played that material before we recorded it so that was what, how it had to go there and um so in answer to your question probably you're talking about like it wasn't a ton of time but like 15 minutes a night for about oh, a month okay you know but like what i find is so you're not being pulled away from life to no that make... <laughs> not, not not for that you know okay. like i mean i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty steady at putting about 10, 15 hours a week into all this stuff, one way or another. And there's all the different things involved. You know, there's... We just played a show last weekend, so all the time I had was about rehearsing. And um, I went through a nice routine, to your point, um, last winter, where I watched a Rick Beato interview with Sting about how he writes, and I stole his method of writing. Not the the style, but the method. And uh, I just did that weekly, one song a week for... About 10 weeks last winter okay now what's interesting to me about that is like i didn't want to keep doing that after 10 weeks i'm like i'm done this is not (laughs) this is not my career you know um it's it's my part-time profession i'm super serious about it but i love a lot of things and um i don't know if being a professional songwriter like if that was all i did if that's really what i would want to do right so
0: i'm kind of with you huh um. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, the rec- to, to record the stuff, your you the, the guitar parts get their own track, and then the vocals get their own, and then and then yeah, they get married, and then later to perform the gig, you got now you got to teach yourself.
1: Well, yeah, it can go both ways. I mean, we've had lots of times where we've been playing a song live for a year before we record it,
0: okay, and that's completely sure, different,
1: sure. you know. Um, and then. Uh, we, we historically have almost always tracked all instrumentals as a unit, as a live take, and then the vocals go on. So I like that live feel for the instrumental track. Almost all bands split at least the vocals apart from the instrumental tracking, although there are exceptions. But like, um, I don't think we've ever tried to record a, uh,
0: studio track with the vocals at the same time as the band. Okay. Okay. So this gig that you had that all of your uh, time was going into rehearsing, do you have a spot for that that everybody has to come together for and you know, like be organized. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We
1: um, we rehearse in my basement and have done for since I lived there, which is most of the life of the band. Um, so yeah, we and we, sonically that doesn't disturb the, <laughs> home, the home life or well, my kids have been sleeping through practice since like they were three days oh, old. Wow, yeah, you know. including drums. Oh yeah. Okay. Loud as fuck. Yeah. yeah. So, so so like so my 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 younger my older son when he was very young, um, we went and saw a friends new house and they're just giving us the tour. He's about three. Maybe he's probably a little older. He's probably four or five because he could run around. I don't remember how kids grow. But but anyway, right. so, so the friends like opens opens up the basement door. And he's like, that's the basement. He just takes off down the staircase and they're like. You know, we're like Toby. Where are you going? And and he goes, I want to see the band because he just assumed that every basement in wow. every house has a band in it. He That's wanted to see awesome. which which band was right? in this house. You know,
0: <laughs> so they'll sleep through anything if you condition nice. them. Sure, yeah, man. <laughs> um, so let's see here: sexy accident, to uh, birth date of around 05. Yeah, um, no more Twitter, but Facebook, Instagram, Bandcamp uh the website is uh sexyaccident.com, correct okay. and i think also the sexy i'm Both not sure i'll take it i think so perhaps okay and um that uh the website and the band camp have merch links where one could grab one of the remaining card game yeah written. i think i have six okay so, <laughs> so is so that a deal that. <laughs> where like you get dinged and now you've got a package it and ship it yeah. yourself okay yeah yeah i don't have i don't have a team <laughs> well but i mean if if you got 15 hours to give there there goes one of them <laughs> well
1: yeah and and you know and things go in bursts so certainly like getting ready for big record releases or doing a, like a music video shoot like the i'm going to love your new boyfriend video shoot was a blast that was um i think you know most of my life for um there was a lot of planning and that was more spread out but sure. then like for the actual shoot it was a whole weekend you know in terms of tracking down lamps and light bulbs and stuff and and uh, at that point we knew where we we're gonna go but the shoot itself was i think um 14 or 16 hours straight uh went over on time in terms of what was expected and the, sure. the almost entirely volunteer cast was very gracious to hey, stick man. it out yeah
0: i mean uh that that's uh a kind of gratitude that you know uh doesn't come around in that particular packaging often so once there you kind of got a
1: well, and I got to credit uh, Friend Dog Studios with that. So they, uh, those guys are brilliant; they're geniuses. Um, so they, and they have a, a million friends. So Ben and, and Brian, cool. And um, they, uh, they brought the extras. They yeah. made that happen, and it was incredible. And it, it, that was another one where the same kid I was talking about who ran down the staircase, like he hung out with me all day on the shoot. So he got to see that, and he's really into film production now actually i hadn't really put that together until the second but he watched morgan cooper and, and morgan's crew who were doing the shooting this is this is your boy yes my okay. son you know watched it happen cool and so we hung out together for the whole shoot and uh because i was just an extra so it's really nice to um I, I like the videos because the way i've approached them to date is you, you find really talented people you put them in charge of it you get the extras and we've usually hired like lead act actors and um it's not really about me anymore. Like they've got their own concept. I'll provide feedback on it, maybe some input, but like it's the only thing
0: that I really let the other people run with. Okay. And it's been great. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you gotta let go of stuff and the yeah. end result you're like, ah, should I do that with more? It's things? the most letting go I do. Like oh, right. I gotta credit also like Steve Fisk,
1: our producer for many, many years. Like brought a ton to the sound of the band and the records and he's cool. an amazing man so he's been awesome to work with
0: well um if you're all right with it i'd like to move uh in the direction of your list um sure. and if so we're okay to to tackle the other the remaining five from the. oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah yeah so i'm uh the nerd in me likes chronological so okay. i typically do that okay uh i did, think i did for years which uh well, i'm glad you you did that because like i don't i couldn't remember <laughs> yeah, right right yeah. um it just sort of uh, uh helps me frame sure like uh you know some people are like 1970 all the way up to 2022 and some people have i think like, this is is a spread but it's not that wide right. Um, so, But we'll start in 1991 with Sea Monsters by The Wedding Present. Right, which actually for me would have been a later discovery.
1: But, sure, of course. But, but of yeah, course. sure, we could talk about that.
0: Um, Ten tracks, 43 minutes, third record of nine for them. Who is The Wedding Present and <laughs> how did you discover them? The
1: Wedding Present is one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, and I didn't find them until they were touring their uh you know 96 record which was Saturn- saturnalia so okay. that would have been um a number of records after that one because they were very prolific so they're always putting out a record or two they, they have a
0: huge discography
1: they do and it's slowed down of late but it's still going and sure. david gedge is a great songwriter and uh, he's had a rotating cast of characters and um i did notice the uh parallel there if you if you if I may? Oh, sure. Well, I mean, you do something long enough and, and without, well, they had commercial success to a degree that I've never come close to. Um, I will say, uh, Sexy Accident has had, and I, I don't want to jinx anything, but we've had a really stable lineup for the last six or seven years. Oh, days. yeah, absolutely. It took a long time to kind of figure out like how, what I really wanted to do in terms of how to re- manage and run the band and what was actually working versus what I wanted to be working. And that mm. took, Years to figure out. Yeah. Like, and I changed a lot in the time period. Of course. You know what I mean? Cause you're talking about like an 18 year period, yeah. right? So, I, from. Could have multiple lives in there. Jesus, I mean, what age even is that? So, 27. Is that right? 27 to now I'm 45? That's crazy. So, yeah, I've changed a lot in that time so period. I, absolutely. Um, But The Wedding Present, so I think a friend of mine in New York who's been a big influence on me musically generally, because he had his own band, and I loved that he did that, and I admired that, and I could have easily picked one of his records for this, but he uh, had learned of them through college radio, and... I listened to a couple of records and then went to a show in New York. It was one of the most memorable shows I've been to. I think it was the first time I as like a young adult went into Manhattan to see a concert. Oh wow. Which was really exciting. I, I still wasn't of age to drink or anything like that and I don't drink a lot anyway, but like it felt like I was a kid in, a, in an adult space. Like yeah. we were tramps. It was packed. They were on stage fucking rock live. They blow the doors off. They're amazing, you know? And and this band that I'd already appreciated a little bit after seeing them live, I'm like, I'm in love with this band. So I just started tracking down everything. And at that time, it was all CDs. And there was a record store in New York called Other Music, which was across from Tower. So you had these two record stores. Tower was like the big one with all the mainstream stuff. And then Other Music defined itself basically as everything that Tower doesn't have. And they would have, you know, at any given time, six or seven wedding present CDs. And so every time I'd go to, you know, and a lot of them were like little obscure signals or whatever. Every time I go to New York, I'd just crawl through that listing there and at the other couple small record stores, buy whatever they had, um, you know, bounce my checking account, whatever I needed to do, literally did that a couple times. Yeah. Buying their records. And um, that record, um, when I first spun it was like dark and felt kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't really get this. And then I uh, realized you just have to turn it up <laughs> and it's, an it's enormous. It is one of the most massive sounding guitar records I've ever heard it's produced by Steve
0: Albini. He's the guy who yeah. went on to do in utero yes um, uh, and a number of other things in that uh, window. Um, was that the situation where, um, they started with somebody in Nirvana and then brought in Albini because it wasn't. No,
1: it's, I think, I think it was started with Albini. Okay. Okay. And my guess is that his approach was a little too raw for this big platinum selling record.
0: I feel like m- maybe yeah. though he might've also been like, no, this is the right move for them to use. Oh,
1: absolutely. Up. Yeah. So Steve Albini, I mean, I don't, really know him. Right. I've, sat ne- I've recorded in his studio. I sat next to him on a couch for 20 minutes once nice. while he watched a documentary of some kind. <laughs> um, really deeply respect his skill. He's sure. incredibly competent. Um, love watching his YouTube videos, but I don't know him personally, but right. absolutely, that's I've heard him say the same thing about that situation. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, Dalliance is the lead off track, and I yeah. thought, like, oh, sometimes, you know, I think more often than not, erroneously you get a chunk into a lead off track, and you're like, oh, this is the feel for the whole record, which is silly, but sometimes it's just a knee-jerk. But there's like noteworthy transitions just within that song. It's like, incredibly like, oh, dynamic. shit. It, wow. Dynamic
1: we moves are huge. Yeah.
0: Starts really quiet, gets really
1: huge, uh, recorded over six days in Minnesota in the winter, feels like it, sounds like it. Um, I would have loved to have seen that band at that time because right. they were playing through like dual amp setups so everything was monstrous from a dynamics perspective the drums sound amazing love the drummer Steve Albini to me is like the best engineer to ever record drums for rock band you know really okay uh, I think so nice Just sounds incredible and um, that whole record through and through I just obsessed over and like tried to learn
0: all the guitar parts cool. to
1: this day like some of my approach to rhythm playing is like that kind of thing, like in terms of how he plays rhythm guitar, sure.
0: you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, I was like, I'm not sure what we're getting here. Right. Velvet underground, Weezer, uh, well, post-punk, pre- like yeah. hint of grunge. Like it's, well, a- it, was, it predates a lot of that though. Is the interesting thing. Cause at
1: 91, I mean, you're talking MC hammer, you know, so it predated Nirvana predated. Sure. Um, Quir- well, I just
0: mean in terms yeah. of, you know, what can I connect? What is, oh, yeah. it, for me not yeah. to say chick- you know, chicken versus the egg,
1: Oh, I'm just trying to credit it as
0: well, right? Because right. I think it Absolutely. kind of foreshadowed
1: a bunch of stuff that happened without ever really getting credit for it, right? Um, but yeah, so I think you're drawing good connections, but it's um it's more minimal than a lot of that. It's more British, like it's more yes. res- even though he's wailing about like um he's got a very distinctive voice. It's been described as a a math teacher. Throwing a cutlery drawer down a staircase while moaning about his ex girlfriend. Wow, that's the sound of the band. That is
0: thought out. Yeah, that was an
1: NME writer or something. I was a nerd about this band,
0: man. I was obsessed sure. with this band. So uh, I dug. Uh, I think it was track five, Rotterdam, and it's then all great. A lot of cool stuff happening in uh, the tenth track and closer, Octopussy. Yeah, that's um, a beautiful song. With a weird name. Yeah, well, it's a, <laughs> James it was, Bond it was a film. weird name when they named the James Bond film, too. Right,
1: right, right. And he, uh, for whatever reason, decided that every song on that record would have a single word title. So that's part of the thing, too. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And Heather is a great head fake because it's not about a person
0: named Heather. But it's one of t- two consecutive tracks that have a female first right, name, right? Right, but Carolyn's actually about a person named Carolyn. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly, you know. Right. Well, if we uh, leap a year ahead, uh, Wish by The Cure. um, Right. 12 songs, 66 minutes, ninth of 13 for them, and the third Cure record to appear on a list for an episode here. Cool. Um, And all right in that window. We had uh, recently somebody did Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, which I think was right before this one. And previously somebody uh, had Disintegration, which I think was right before that.
1: Yeah, that might be right.
0: It might and, be the other way around. But, you're but, close. but all yeah. sort of in an early '90s window, right?
1: Ish oh, late late '80s for late late eight, integration. Yes, yeah, correct. Yep, yeah. But um, but yes, and and a lot of people wouldn't pick Wish as like their favorite Cure record, and I'm not saying it is. But like your assignment to me was like records that changed your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and so that one hit me at the time it came out. Um, okay. I uh, remember I used to have like sort of this basement little room of mine to just kind of like play video games and listen to i had nothing but a chair a little tv and a stereo and um i caught somehow on a atlanta radio station the uh extended like seven minute version of high which is really repetitive and but beautiful and it's got all those cool guitar lines i didn't play guitar yet right and that sound of it just sucked me in and i and i was just try obsessed with trying to tape that off the radio, which I don't think I ever managed to do. And I didn't actually hear that remix again till years and years later, but, um, loved that, that, that song and that record brought me into the cure. And then I went through the whole catalog
0: from there. Sure. Well, um, I, you know, forever had them in this box of, you know, the, the, uh, this is what they sound like, and this is what they look like. And uh, I I respect it for what it is, but it's not really my cup of tea. Um, And then listening to those other two records, I was like, oh, there's there's a way more complex animal than that, and uh, immediately ratcheted up my uh, respect and admiration. However, for this one, I think I like what they're doing – way more than those two like there's okay. uh it's almost like um more uh sophisticated um intentional um leaning more i think into the craft of creation and in, in, instead of sort of letting emotions kind of lead the it's way super crafted for sure yeah um yeah uh i think open might be the coolest care song i've ever heard i mean uh, and then high and uh, Friday I'm in love. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, they're almost you know up there with those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like uh yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, some big hits on that, and um, and again, just like where you are at the time, right? As a person, yeah. like, so yeah. I'm I'm young, i uh, just learning to drive, so I'm like driving around at night blasting that record, and I'll never forget that. You know what I mean? It's just like that. That was the sound of me
0: discovering the kind of music that I'd really love as an adult. Yeah. And uh, they also, I mean, I, I'm not positive on this, but in terms of uh, track length, I felt like they were just really going for it. Uh, not not necessarily intentionally, but if this if fleshed out, this is a six and a half minute runtime. Then. Yeah. They're not so afraid of, it, of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is, yeah, and they'd been doing that for a really long okay. time to their okay. credit.
1: You know, that goes back to a forest. It goes to disintegration. You know, okay. They probably have some, I don't know if there are really long songs on Boys Don't Cry, but there might be. But yeah, that band, I you know, somehow, I guess just through sheer talent and skill, uh, was able to do whatever the fuck they wanted and, yeah. and did it. And yeah, I think they always have.
0: And, and this was yeah. their, you know, commercially, this was their biggest success, which I think... Is that right? That's what... That's what their okay. wiki said. Cool. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, somebody on here uh, once said, um, you know, good movement of a particular unit is largely, almost always largely credited to the one that came right before it. Hmm. Like, so, you know, if uh, disintegration and kiss me, kiss me, kiss me kind of moved, you know, the sales needle for them, uh-huh. then there were a lot more folks that were perhaps Ready. eager to get this one when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't, know. I don't that, know.
1: No, that makes sense. And then,
0: you know, I think unlike those two
1: records, like, um, uh, well they, they had really catchy hits though, mm-hmm. but they, uh, did, right. they, they did. So it's, it's hard to make that comparison. I just remember at the time, like Friday, I'm in love being freaking everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. like that's a great song. Mm-hmm. And I love the way it's like a sped up tape machine to get
0: part of the sound. <laughs> it's like a half step higher than it should be or whatever it is. Um, so, Again, a a single-year leap uh, lands us with Icky Metal by uh, Archers of Loaf. What a name. Uh, First of five for them, um, the last of which came out uh, last year and was their first in 24 years. I was there for that. Nice. Yeah, I went to St. Louis to see uh,
1: them. And I've been following Eric Bachman. Uh, He's one of the few people who um, I've loved since then and has never let me down. Nice. Like, all his projects, all of his work, I love it all. Uh, Crooked Fingers, Barry Black, which is his, like, obscure instrumental stuff. Crooked Fingers sounds familiar. Yeah, so that's what he did after the Archers split. Well, he Mm. did Barry Black first, but then he did Crooked Fingers. And um, I love Crooked Fingers. Incredible work. And then he... Like, there's a couple singles he did with... um, Oh, God, I'm spacing on names. But um, I just... His... uh, Everything he does, I really like it, okay. Al- almost exclusive, you know, with no exceptions. And uh, so seeing the Archers come back was really fun because they were another band that um, some of my first concert experiences were like driving from Atlanta to North Carolina to go see the Archers, Okay, At, like a Jesse Hel- anti-Jesse Helms rally thing. Like this would have been in, you know, 96, 97, something like that. Um, and I've seen Eric uh, in Pittsburgh. I've seen him here, um, seen him everywhere. I know I
0: should know who Jesse Helms is, but. I...
1: He was a senator from North Carolina. Oh, yeah. And. The
0: archers did not like him. Okay. Okay. And I agree with them. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Thir- 13 tracks, 38 minutes. Um... Really
1: raw and energetic. And back to, like, you know, talking about the cure doing what they want. Like, clearly the archers are doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Eric had this weird way of tuning his guitar where he put the high E next to the deep E. And so there's just a a particularly aggressive and snarly and bright, clangy guitar sound, which sounded amazing. Hmm. And uh, just the vocals, the energy of the vocals, the lyrics is is perfect for like an angry, you know, for no good reason, but just like (laughs) full of testosterone, right? Like 18 year old boy, like me at the time or whatever. So it was perfect. Uh,
0: web in front's it's lead off track got uh, college radio airplay and was on an episode of Beavis and Butthead yep and uh, was part of the Mallrats soundtrack yeah that's um, right. yep. which I yeah, wanted, made me want to dig up both but I, I, I ran out of time but uh, You and Me is awesome uh, there's a cranking crispy transition at the minute mark that just uh, uh, I mean it's an, it was uh, a fantastic song aside from that but uh, Fat minute 18 of just awesomeness
1: Uh, i like might a
0: lot because it's so unabashedly
1: like i'm trying (laughs) like I, i always uh i don't know i felt like when i was a kid like it was cool to be like you're not trying you don't care very gen x you know um and and i think i gravitated to bands that were singing about how they did care and they were trying or they nice. loved things and yeah. they were just passionate about shit. So the wedding present would fall into that category. The Cure would as well. And so
0: would sure. The Archers of Love. Yeah. Different ways, different flavors. But uh, I loved that about them. Yeah, um, There's kind of an interesting heavy shoegaze finish to the record which is a term Yeah, I've listened to uh, Loveless My Bloody Valentine oh, for yeah. years and years but I didn't ever know that that was... Uh, a genre or a category or whatever, but sometimes to me that is that that genre. You know, the, right? there you go. Them and like slow dive, I guess. Okay, okay, nice.
1: And and a lot of other bands that now talk about being that, but like yeah, for me like
0: that. If you listen to nothing but Loveless, you you got it. You're good. <laughs> You're covered for shoegaze. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, okay, so from '93 to '95, uh, Longfin Killies Houdini. Yeah. Uh which first um And did not hear that personally in ninety five. That sure, was much later for Sure. There. Yeah. Um but I mean uh I, I go immediately to uh if it's not Scottish it's crap the Mike Myers. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. And then uh killifish is I guess a species of fish. I guess so, yeah. But, I, I should know that. <laughs> what but it I couldn't I couldn't um uh take the you know being the word person that i am I, I couldn't take the name and like
1: parse it out yeah
0: and like give it a vis, you know visual and so i saw that and he's just see a long fin killie, you know he's talk, oh it's a kind of fish yeah, I guess. yeah yeah um so another person who's never let me down luke
1: sutherland okay you know, leader of that band um went on to do a bunch of other projects published novelist absolutely so you talk about you know the writing and um, he did a play at one point. Well, he wrote the novel. They turned it into a play. He would play the soundtrack live, doing crazy guitar ambience and stuff like cool. that. He's currently the uh, off-stage uh, violinist for Mogwai, so he's still in music. Like He'll play shows with them. Right. Um, and he came out with a new project, uh I can't remember the name of it. Just uh, last year, but anyway, yeah. So that record to me is extremely hard to pin down. I'd be curious what you think, but like, well, doesn't sound like much.
0: I mean, uh, you know, I'm when I put you know one of these records on, I'm 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 not like completely dialed in because I'm also trying to learn a little bit about the artist and the and the record. Um, So very quickly, I saw. Uh, can influence and i was like i'm on board oh yeah 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 um I can and hear that yep. and so uh i i love this is my favorite uh from your list it there's just a lot happening that i don't know rubs me the right way um same very fun very cool stuff and made me curious to you know uh they they didn't put out much right there's no not.
1: no um only a band, probably for like six years, maybe right. three
0: full lengths, and if, and maybe some EPs. Yeah, okay. and the EPs are amazing. There's a nice. cover of
1: uh, you can't even get. I don't think you can hear them uh, if you unless you track down the CDs. I don't think they're streaming, but like there's a cover of Angel by Madonna. That's oh, cool. Incredible. Nice. Like it's so weird. Um, but yeah, they're they're instrumentally and musically really. I keep saying weird, odd. So there's like this whole uh, Celtic kind of like traditional bazooki kind of instruments. Going on like a bunch of strange acoustic instruments, sure. but then they're doing like a bunch of prog shit, like where it's in seven, and then the drummer is playing all kinds of percussion that's not a normal drum kit. It just, huh. to me just
0: sounds like it's from another planet, right? Oh, there's a couple tracks on there. where It's like I, I you know, you sort of uh, traditionally speaking, you know, have a um a home base right and maybe yeah depending on the band and the song you you venture off from it but you can always sort of see where it is there's a couple of those where i was like i don't i don't know what just happened i know and i didn't i did not not enjoy it but it's sort of like uh when you see um what was the name of that film memento uh-huh. And it ends, and it's like, I, I kind of know what happened, but I'm yeah. also not sure on a whole bunch of levels. Well, there's a couple tracks, like, I remember driving around, um,
1: specifically I'd play them on road trips, and I remember driving into New York City a couple times here and them, and I'd have it blasted. And that's a dangerous thing to do with that band cuz you'll just get sucked into the groove and like careen off the road if you're not careful <laughs> cuz like Jeez. it's just hypnotic right yeah it's it's amazing well
0: it's uh i mean there's a, a uh you know i almost said a minute ago a lulling to shoegaze or, or loveless but this is almost uh uh like a beckoning kind of, comf- so it's it's like inviting you in to, to get comfortable and then yeah, you can just be like, whoa, I just lost a few minutes there. Yeah, and some of the songs will blast
1: your head off, like there's there's a great uh the Buttergut EP, again, hard to track down but like that thing is, it's got some blasts that are right up there with like shoegaze, but they're coming out of like acoustic instruments, Yeah, so they're coming off of like violins or like saxophones or whatever, it's crazy. It's a great, great band that very few people know because they just didn't have any real commercial success they had lots of critical success right the same guy who got me into the wedding present uh hosted them when they played a couple shows at the uh, bowery ballroom in new york so he was kind of they were staying at his house in new jersey and the uh village voice gave the preview of their show like five stars like you must go you know telling everyone in the city you got to go this this band they're amazing nobody came like both shows it was like you know, Chris and a couple of his friends and, like, maybe three other people in New York in Manhattan with this incredible band, Two Nights, Nobody Comes. Like, that was just kind of the story of that band, unfortunately. Okay, well. And then they got in a horrible... um, Ooh,
0: bus... uh, Wreck. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when Luke
1: began writing, which, again, to me, like, is... um, I'd love to talk to him someday. Uh, I get the impression that he's uh, just very serious about his work and all that, but, like...
0: That, back to
1: discipline, you know, he was stuck in a hospital bed for six months. Yeah, man. And that's when
0: he wrote his first novel. Right. And that's fucking rad. Yeah, man. it is. Yeah. I and mean, make you, after you coming out of that, I love that hospital stay, because look what happened, you know, as, 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 yeah. as, I'm not being totally serious, Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. silver lining kind of.
1: Oh, sure. But yeah, just, just the, the, uh, kind of like indomitable spirit, right? Like yeah. he's down for the count. He's not wasting
0: his time. He's no. making some work. Yeah. Um well their wiki was teeny, but there were three fun facts from okay. it. Uh all three LPs named for public icons who died uh at early ages, Harry Houdini, Rudolph Valentino, who I had to look up, uh an Italian uh, Italian silent filmmaker in the US, and uh Amelia Earhart, which I just yeah. thought was very touching. I mean, on all three fronts. Yep. Um uh, bass player Colin Gregg. Um post breakup performs music under the moniker moniker Wilma cake bread <laughs> <laughs> I gotta check that out uh, and then David Turner drums and percussion lives in London records his own music under the nickname disco haircut astronaut yeah I think I looked him up on myspace
1: okay wow to listen to that. all right I'm, I'm a little worried that his character, like the there's a um there's a character that's very unpleasant in the uh, first novel
0: and part of me wonders if it's about him but that's just speculation mm, interesting yeah um, um, yeah. so is it track two I think How I Blew It yeah for sure How I Blew It Houdini uh, one of the coolest tracks I've heard yeah. in a long time and uh, no affiliation with the fact that the album's name is in that track It's just it just stood out as yeah. super cool to me all guitar harmonics and atmosphere uh, and speaking of A plus a+ for them and song title names The Heads of Dead Surfers Unconscious Gangs of Men I mean mo- all of them are, yeah. are witty and clever in some kind of way well, but they're they're literary like it's how it feels to me
1: right like this guy's digging deep for his yeah. references and the song uh, who um, Valentino is is amazing on the second record and uh, yeah there's depth he's uh, he's saying things and he's saying sometimes uh, very provocative things but like they, they're nestled in there in this kind of like blanket of sure.
0: um instrumentation you, you can kind of miss it if you don't pay attention right Um, So for number five, uh, this was where we depart from that sort of early Chronology. Yeah, yeah. and we leap all the way to 03 with 1972 by Josh Rouse. Yeah. Um, Fourth of 14 albums, 10 tracks, 43 minutes. Seems like a real fascinating dude, which mostly I'm gleaning just from... Oh, my God. I totally spaced on handing these out as we going through them. Oh, it's okay. but uh, Yeah, I can hold them up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the—I mean, I don't know why, but that cover art uh, is intriguing. Um, yeah, his sound um, is intriguing. How did uh, his work wind up in your lap? So, this is a great concert story. I uh,
1: this was maybe no, it might have been the same summer of like loneliness in Pittsburgh, but in fact, I think it
0: was. I is got. That, a, do you have a song named that? I don't. Okay, <laughs> I don't. mean, might want to yeah jot it down. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> or a chapter, a yeah, chapter, yeah, perhaps yeah.
1: loneliness in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was the most alone time I've experienced as as a person. So you know, this for th- is
0: in the window where you looked up the show. And yes, it was happen- okay. same
1: window. And and in fact, so um, in, on this occasion, I got an email from uh, a guy who had been in a band with me, and he knew I loved this band called Lullaby for the Working Class, who were from Nebraska, and one of them went on to be uh, the producer behind like. Um, Connor Oberst's stuff and all that. Like Bright Eyes and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but at the time they had this big, like, almost like classical ensemble, but playing kind of indie tunes. Uh, You know, it was like nine or 10 musicians, cello, violins, very orchestral. It was orchestral music, but it was like indie songs. And uh, they. Got this email from a friend saying, hey, Lullaby for the Working Class is playing this one-off word-of-mouth show unpromoted at this coffee – this tea house like this Saturday. So so I go um, by myself and the uh, – say that my wife to be might have
0: been there with me but i uh, mm-hmm.
1: remember i'll have to ask her tonight but like either uh, way
0: like uh small number. Co- concerts and and uh yeah, stand up shows for me like yeah. not not always by myself but when i do wind up going by myself people are like and i'm like no it, uh, like i i literally can just be me and enjoy sometimes they hit different yeah right right, right. so so on this occasion this is how it went down so
1: going to the zenith house uh And it's the opening band. And there's a crowd of about 15 people there, maybe 12 people, something like that. Josh Rouse is sitting there. He's touring for his first record. I'd never heard of the guy, didn't know him at all. He plays this beautiful set. And that first record's amazing. So he's probably like 20, 22 years old. He's sitting there with his acoustic guitar. He plays the entire set with his eyes closed. What? And he just sings and plays so beautifully. Yeah, it's I can just see it. I focused and, on performing. Wow. Really quiet, nylon string guitar, I think. Okay. Maybe steel. But he plays the set, and it's incredible. And it really struck me. And when he's done, he gets off the stage, and the entire audience, other than me, gets on the stage, and they are lullaby for the working class. So basically <laughs> uh
0: uh Nebraska, yeah. they're both they have Nebraska ties, right
1: exactly okay that's I think that's right, so that Josh's first record was called dressed up like Nebraska, yeah, exactly so so it turns out you know that the entire audience was me and maybe Stephanie, I can't remember, <laughs> but like I don't maybe the people running the coffee shop like two people. But uh, from that moment, I followed him. And this was still in the days of like promo was they'd send you a postcard. So it's like, here's Josh's second record. So then I moved to Kansas City. I lose track of all that. I listen to his records when I come across them. I don't hear about this one when it comes out and stumble into it a couple years later. But Jesus, it's incredible. It really is. It's a great, great, great record. Like the groove of it, the sound of it. it's, It's a concept record. You know, it's set kind of in that time with that vibe of like the early 70s the baseline in um, comeback uh,
0: that is like the one of the best baselines i've ever heard uh, you know no disrespect to the baseline but the uh, i thought i felt like that was perhaps the record's strongest track it's a great song it's beautiful especially as a person who had struggled with like low sunlight in pittsburgh it's like right. i understand what he's saying yeah. about cuz well there's some yeah. the, you mentioned the baseline there is some some funk in that track that like yeah. you don't really get i think elsewhere in the record
1: yeah absolutely no to this day I send that bass line to like bass players in the band being like do stuff like this you know <laughs> and they're like fucking with this guy already <laughs> well no Mac was telling me he's the bass player in the sexy accent he's telling me the other day he listens to it all the time he's nice stuck in his head he right. loves it so. yeah. uh, sometimes
0: it sticks I also liked uh, Flight Attendant uh, track yeah. 8 uh, yep, yep. is that right track 8 and then uh, Rise as track 10 was a, a, a great closer um, again, just, um, I felt like I was interested in listening to this because the dude looked fascinating and the story looked fascinating and like, I didn't get anywhere with that. Like I thoroughly enjoyed the listen, but I like the curiosity is still the same. Mm. Like I'm still intrigued to know more about the story. So I might, uh, uh check out at, if nothing else uh, is it dressed up like Nebraska is that what? oh yeah great
1: yeah. record that 1972 is great um, they're all great I mean I, I feel like this is my favorite um, it was I think the biggest commercial success okay too. Um, not that that matters. Is he still gigging? He oh yeah. Saw him here at uh, Knuckleheads like last year. Okay. He came okay. out. He lives in Spain now. Oh that's right. So that's he doesn't right. come back all the yeah, time. Yeah, a lady friend and a kid, perhaps. I think so. Something yeah. Something like I, that. I don't know a lot about him personally. Um he was just a chill guy. Yeah. I, I introduced myself that, that nice at that show. Good for you. You know. Um
0: <laughs> I think I shook his
1: hand. He's like, Yeah, we're just not very formal tonight. You know, it's, it's cool though.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like cool. So what's been the best and the worst elements of uh, sort of coming up in the KC music scene and being in it for as long as you have?
1: Oh, I mean, I think, and it could just be in my head, I think the, the hardest part about it is I feel like I'm kind of not really in it. Uh, mm. I mean, I am, but I think that for, I think for Kansas City generally, A lot of people have friends that they grew up with. It's a very local town. Right. Um, And I love that about it because it feels like a real place. So, like, having lived in Atlanta, where at the time, like, everyone was moving there when I lived there. Because the the Olympics were coming. Businesses were coming. It was just growing like crazy. Right. Weird. It had very little um, true kind of local identity. Sure. You know. And there's the questionable history in a lot of ways. But, like, um, so... I think that I would love to just feel like I was truly a part of it more than I do, but I think that's my, it could just be my head too. You okay. know, I'll, I'm not really sure. Um, um, I love, I, I know a lot of the musicians in town. I really enjoy talking to them. They're great, played lots of great shows. I mean, you're the
0: first person to walk in here and instantly recognize the Shiner shirt. The Shiner shirt, shirt is yeah. that right? That yeah.
1: seems really strange to me. Well. Like, I could have told you they play High Watts too, but that's also <laughs> because I know Paul. Right, right. And I know what uh,
0: studio that was recorded at, I believe. Um, I think that's a
1: West End record.
0: Well, um. So let's for a moment uh, assume that you're accurate. Like, what I always, you know, this, this, the whole thing is sort of like the, looking under the couch cushions of the world. Like, what is it? What do we need to do to <laughs> in, improve that feeling for you personally? No, you don't need to do anything.
1: You know I what mean, I mean? So there are so many people who've been so welcoming and so great. Like you know, uh, Steve Tulipon at the Record Bar is awesome. He's always been great to work with as a booking agent and, and, and there, setting up shows mini bars there's yep. too, and you, you've had a couple yep okay so I played lots of shows at the old record bar and at the mini bar and mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure steve would help me play a show at the big record bar part of my thing is like um wanting to to bring the crowd for the ven- for the venue you know and we have uh, a modest following but we've never been like this massive band in kansas city or anything like that just never hit that way okay um we have fans we have friends um so it's just like Nothing needs to be done, okay. I think it's also one of these things where um, you know you can't control what the world wants. I right. love the music that I make. I feel like I do what I want to do. Um, it may not it just may not be what the world wants in the same way it was for like some of these other bands, right. or, or maybe it's not as good,
0: and I just need to keep working on it, which sure. is what I'm gonna do. Sure, excellent. I love that, you know, um so. Often up for debate for me in these conversations, um, and had I not sat down to do this, I never, never would have crossed my mind because I'm an album guy. But uh, releasing full length LPs is no longer the way to go. It's EPs and singles. True, false, or depends on the artist and the circumstance.
1: I think it depends on what you care about,
0: right? Certainly, if you want to, if
1: you want to get the love of the algorithm, you you want to have steady releases. (laughs) You know, it's a dangerous love. Well, it's just. um, you gotta hit it pretty big before it really matters, uh-huh. you know. Like, I mean, I know that my band has had more streams than a lot of Kansas City bands, but it's still not that much money, you know. A million million streams is a thousand bucks if you're lucky. I can't. I think that's the math, you know. Okay, interesting. I've um, always been. I've always wanted to know. It's about right. Okay, I think it's a tenth of a penny per play. So okay. it's like, you know, you chase the algorithm, what are you doing? Right. Um, I do find it gratifying to know that people all over the world are listening to our tunes, and they are. You know, sure. Seeing the unwrapped numbers is nice. The, the shows is more of an immediate and personal connection. Right. Um, that seems to be much more capricious anyway. That's more about what you do to get, you know, the word out, tell people about it, try to make some new connections, all that. Um, so for me... Make what you want to make. Right. I mean, even if you make a full length album, you could always drip out some singles before it and right. then do the album. Right. I really love um, the album as a work of art. Same. I also love EPs though. Mm-hmm. Um, singles. I don't really have strong feelings about one way or the other. But um, we're doing some this year. Like right now, we're doing two track singles all year is our plan. Like so, we're gonna do a new song and then a twisted version of an old one, like something different. Um, we've got two track singles like the old A sides and B sides. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? What I thought you meant. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. I love it. Well, it's a funny sentence, right? But like, but that's it, the idea. But yeah. it, it wiggles the radar, and you know, it's funny because the then you get into
1: annoying stuff like the copyright office won't let you do a copyright application on a two track record in the same way they will a five track record. Like, wow, it, it's not creative enough to warrant album treatment so you gotta do each song individually so like your stupid copyright costs double so it's like little silly things like that are like dumb when you're like a little band because like 100 bucks doesn't matter to taylor swift but like when you're a little band you're trying to do five singles and now your copyright fees are a thousand dollars instead of 500 it's and even that's a lot because when you do an album it's 100 so this is way more info than you want. No, but it's I mean, like... uh,
0: the fourth episode I did was a singer-songwriter from Lawrence. And uh, she had dropped uh, an LP the previous year. Yeah. And then had uh, a couple singles, and then she had a brand new one that wasn't even up yet, and she would sent it to me. And so I know exactly what I need to know inside this, these softwares, and they're capable of way more than I could even begin to tell you. Yeah. Um so I was like I and so we listened in the middle of our interview we listened to three of her tracks. Cool. Uh two older and the one that wasn't even out yet and then later uh you know I had to drop them in and and match things up time-wise. Yeah. Um and uh, I, I do have a TikTok and I, I was hitting it hard until the holidays and it kind of fell off. And so I'm, I'm way behind on getting stuff uploaded. But at the time, you know, I, I, I upload one, all the, uh, TikToks I made that had her songs in them, they all got muted and it's like, you know, yeah. violation. Oh and I'm like, it's her, it's, Dude, she's the, she's the person. Don't get me started. So for the last EP, we shot all these
1: really smart TikTok videos. Cause we're like, we're going to do the new format. So, like my son, who's now the videographer, right? He's really good. We did all these great, like, stop motion things, these, this, that, you know, more work than you're supposed to put in a TikTok <laughs> video. That's not the idea. Ah. But so, so we dripped out, like, these cool TikToks leading up to the singles. And it was, everything was fine. Sorry, that's my alarm saying it. it's time for me to read to my son, which I would love to be doing if oh. I were at home, but it's okay. But it's the summertime. He's happy. So, like, the, um, what are their ages? Uh, he's 12. Okay. So I still try to read to him every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't happen every night, but I try to. But the, uh, my older son's 17. Okay. So, so so we had these videos where they're out there, they got the views, it was nice. The second our EP went to distribution, when it got picked up by the agreements where it's like, you're going to get a tiny bit of streaming revenue from TikTok, TikTok doesn't want to pay any of that. Oh. Oh. So I guess, or like they thought I was violating the copyright by not, because you're supposed to embed the song from TikTok. I know. So they muted yeah. all of my promo yes, videos for the exactly. music that I own. Same, same, yeah. And then I tried to use the web form. That thing's just a graveyard. I sent them all the right paperwork. They never replied. They never looked at it. Never got unmuted. That is really disappointing. And I'm just like, I'm done with TikTok. Wow. I just don't really care anymore. Right. Which is a great commercial move on my part. I'm joking. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> not a good move. This no. is where it's like, I've got the 15 hours.
0: I'm not going to spend it chasing TikTok I mean, muting. But you could, in a blink of an eye, like, oh, they're, all my 15 hours are gone, and I'm actually not even finished with you know, what yeah. I set out to anyway. That's right. Um, not careful. So um, if the art you create uh, could be summarized in a word or a phrase... Uh, for how you want folks to remember it or you, uh, mm. what would that word or phrase be?
1: I'm um, the. F- <laughs> okay. Word or phrase. Okay.
0: Uh, either or, or sentence um, or rambling paragraph, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, it's a really good question. I just don't know if I've ever really thought about it before. Um, I've described my band before jokingly as the sound of overthinking. Nice. (laughs) We're very careful. We're very meticulous and thoughtful. There's
0: not a lot of spontaneity. Well, again, Um, the digital uh, footprint or fingerprint or whatever speaks to that. I mean, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and also, uh, you know, you and I were talking before the show started. That's what I do in a way professionally, too. So it's hard for me to not care about getting that at least decent, right? So, and I say that, and then it's like, oh, don't look at this work, folks. It's not good enough. But Mm -hmm. like, um, I think that I think that that uh thoughtfulness and the detail orientation is important to me. I try to get all the details right. I try to really care, I try to sure. put a lot into it. Um so it's never for lack of trying. Right. I think it's back to these selections we've talked about, you know, so much of what I appreciate, you know, this record, Josh Rouse, like this is an immaculately put together record, very carefully. Uh you know, Sea Monsters is it's got a lot of juice in it and it's off the wall, but like that band is about minimalism. Mm. So a lot of, it's not a complete through line with these different things, but um, I think there's a lot of care that goes into my sure. records. I think is, that's the heart
0: of it. What is the uh, little bit of phrasing on the Archers of Loaf cover? Oh, what does it say? This, I don't know. This space, uh, I forget it. Spot reserved for Studs
1: sell. <laughs> See, they, they, they somehow were able to... Um, I think that I think they're different. I think like there's a couple things about this band that are really cool. One, they've never had any bandmates change. Mm. Uh, they've played a million shows. They toured relentlessly and somehow managed to stay really good friends with each other. And nice. That's just really cool. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they they they're able to be silly and somehow also just like I think people like that.
0: Absolutely. I think
1: I think being like i am about records it's probably not what most people want what do you but mean that's okay like you know well i shouldn't say that there's all kinds of things out there i'm more like steely dan than i am like archers of the loaf
0: meaning like you want it crisp and perfect and all not quite the- that but, oh. but 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 not that far off either okay okay i think you're right okay i think you're right so advice for the uh musician uh that is Just today, realized this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, you know, plaster myself to this craft, and this is my dream. What do you tell them?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a world of difference between a person who does that and pursues it as their life, and a person like me who pursues it as a really passionate, serious. Secondary career. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, it, but I'm highlighting this on purpose because I think that it's important to recognize that there is a difference there. Y- yeah. So, and, and for me, it's important to pay respect to the musicians in Kansas City who do that, who have committed their lives to it. And there's a lot of them. And that's a different world than the world that I live in. Okay. And it should be. Yeah. Um, and I just have tremendous respect for that. And so I, I will say, you know, being on, you know, 25 years or whatever in to my choices on my career or whatnot, um, just note that there is a difference. Yeah, it, I guess maybe
0: that's the answer is yeah. ask yourself which one of these Absolutely. do you want to be.
1: Absolutely. Like you you can be a serious musician and make great work as a, as a part-time pursuit. And that's sure. what I've done. And I think I've done it really well for what I can throw at it. Um, But if you want to commit your, your life to it, you will – you have the potential for very different outcomes that I think are really hard to get to if you're trying to part-time it. And I don't have regrets about my choices. I really don't. But uh, it's, you know, I have friends who've gone the other way, um, like the the folks in Of Tree, like uh, Laurel Parks is okay. a super competent, talented violinist who's got a number of projects. Of Tree's just one of a, them. The Wires is another. And she's also got like an entrepreneurial... Um, violin lesson business called uh drunken fiddles hmm. you should have them on your show i was just yeah. getting ready to ask
0: do you think they'd be oh yeah ben there? and
1: laurel are amazing people and they would have lots of interesting things to say and they're super super accomplished and um, you know that's so sasha Grosschang, who's who's laurel's partner in the wires like the two of them they have a level of skill and competence that i can only it's the it's like a remote impression of a you know it's the shadow on the object, mm-hmm, right? It's mm-hmm. not the thing. So I think that, I, I, yes, long-winded way of saying absolutely think about it and fucking go for it if you want to. Yeah. Because like um, a a quote that I took from uh, Jim Carrey documentary, when he's talking about his father who is a, uh, a failed salesman, and that was some kind of compromise because he loved music, mm. was that you can fail at a
0: compromise too. Sure. And that's important to remember. Yeah. Wow. Go for the thing you want. Right. Um, so complete the sentence for me, if you would, please. The world would immediately be a better place to live, if only. <laughs>
1: oh, God. I am so bad at being on the spot. The world would be a better place to live, if only. Or we, what was the phrasing? Yeah,
0: exactly. The world would immediately be a better place to live, if only. Hmm. We had
1: berries year round. I'm a big berry fan. Okay. All the berries. I just, you know, when mulberry season comes around, it's time for me to get up in the trees. Like. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't climb them, but my family and I went up to Parkville. There's this strip by the river where there's a bunch of mulberry trees and they all taste different. And I'm so freaking into this. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So like, you know, strawberries, blueberries, mulberries, it's berry season. Now, of course, if it happened year-round, I probably wouldn't be so into it.
0: Right, right, so of course. I don't even know if Something I'm to right. look forward
1: to. Exactly.
0: Uh, I mean, are you putting them in pies and doing all kinds no, of things? No, I just eat them. Okay. I'm going okay. to eat them right away. Nice, nice. Uh, $85 million in inheritance tomorrow, first move, and how, how different if at all. Does your life look?
1: It would be different. Um I I love my job. I have great people that I work with. I don't think it's probably what I would choose to do like if I really just didn't need money at all. Right. Um first move would be to pay off the house. Second move would be give the kids college funds. There you go. Third move and I have thought about this cuz I need to think about these serious possible eventualities. You know, this is real stuff, man. I could just win the lottery anytime, especially since I don't buy tickets. Right. Um I think I'd try to get rid of a lot of it as fast as I could because like what if- I've seen up close what it's like to uh, try to walk among normal people when you're wealthy. I was never this wealthy person, but I had a friend in college who was. He could never tell who his friends were. That's not fun.
0: No. So I've I've listened to podcasters talk uh you know specifically about that very thing, but with fame. Mm, and when you sure. reach a certain level of fame, yeah. like you don't even you literally don't know what normal is anymore because nobody treats you normally.
1: Right absolutely yeah so and i think this is why celebs date celebs and all that yeah hopefully you understand it Mm -hmm. you know but um yeah i I would probably try to get rid of i I would want to be able to do whatever i want on like relatively modest terms forevermore and not have to do a day job and i would give a bunch of my friends checks and just be like all the money's gone here's your part it's over yeah it's done don't ever talk to me about it again it's all gone (laughs) yeah I gave it to charity right? and to you
0: yeah. and to other people and it's You'll gone now. you get that uh <clears throat> remember that three-tone do 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 when you would call <laughs> a disconnected number. Yeah.
1: That's Well, one of my bandmates, you know, she uh Camry Ivory, classy classy person. So she went on Jeopardy and uh and then at the record bar we did a night where you know the episode was coming out live so we all went to watch it so you know a couple hundred you know 100 people 150 people there are lots of people to record bar she's lots of friends and we're watching her on jeopardy and then she 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 wins and she wins about 10 grand it's like awesome and of course this happened like months before and she knows she uh-huh. won so she's at the bar and then right after that like steve tulip or whoever gets on and kind of yells out it's like all your checks are covered so it's like Camry had spent a significant portion of this winning money on the party where we watched her wins. So wow, super classy and super cool absolutely, thing to do. yeah, that's so, great. You know, it's that kind of move I found very inspiring. She was bandmate, uh, very special bandmate for a really long time. We uh, I say special because there was a period where um, we were the only members of the band. Okay, like, <laughs> there had been a touring fiasco, and uh, you know, so the two of us were the band for a while. Okay. And it was a lot of fun.
0: Sure, yeah, played a um, lot of acoustic shows so um one last time sexy accident it d- does not have a the right? Is, no it, it's the sexy th- accident okay, my bad. yeah no it's okay the, the sexy I ca- accident i talk about it both ways um website sexyaccident.com uh, there's a there's an instagram a facebook a band camp what am i leaving out
1: Oh, I think you got it. I mean, Instagram's out there. sure. Um, But the Bandcamp's got the full catalog. Most of it's on Spotify and the rest of the services, but everything's on the Bandcamp. Cool. Um, And everything's available through the website.
0: Right on. Well, I really appreciate it uh, as... uh, you're 17 and 12. I'm 12 and nine. And, uh, there's awesome. a lot of pieces to juggle with sports and social calendars. And uh, this is the f- first full week of summer. So now the pool is part of the mix. And, Hell yeah. Uh, all of the stuff. So I appreciate the time. I know it's hard to come by. Um, appreciate it. Man. I
1: appreciate the invitation. This was a blast. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. All right. Cool, man.